Hi, this is Jim Labedo, and I'm president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you'd have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group. At Performance Group, we work at the front end of a company's revenue stream. We find the salespeople who generate the revenue, and we provide onboarding programs that get them doing that sooner. Our passion is aligning talent with opportunity. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. Enjoy the program. Our guest tonight is going to talk about how to build value in your company. You know, value is something that's interesting because we all talk about it, but we really can't describe it. We only know it in its absence. So stay tuned if you want to learn how to drive performance into your company and how to build value. Okay, before we get to the guest, we want to remind you of a couple of resources that are available on the website. That's biztalkradioshow.com. You can go out there and download podcasts of all of our previous guests. We cover all the major topics in a business, such as recruiting, performance management, sales, and sales management, as well as personal development. So those are available in podcasts out at the website, biztalkradioshow.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at biztalk1040. On our program today, we have Bennett Stewart, Chairman and Chief Executive of EVA Dimensions, a software tools training and support services company that helps corporate teams and consultants measure, analyze, and improve corporate performance. Prior to founding EVA Dimensions in 2006, Bennett co-founded Stern Stewart & Company, the global consulting firm that pioneered the development and corporate applications of EVA. Bennett was the principal creator of the EVA framework. Bennett is the author of the best-selling financial management book, The Quest for Value. He has also written numerous articles on corporate financial management and valuation for publications such as the Harvard Business Review and the Morgan Stanley Journal of Applied Corporate Finance. We are fortunate that Bennett has offered to share insights from his new book, Best Practice EVA, The Definitive Guide to Measuring and Maximizing Shareholder Value, an essential guide for managers and CEOs looking to maximize the value of their company. Bennett, welcome to the program. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Jim. Bennett, uh, before we dive uh, too deep into your new book, which I'm excited about getting into because CEOs providing value is generally the number one topic they talk about. And But prior to that, in 1982, you co-founded Stern, Stewart & Company, and you created the framework around EVA. And I'm just curious, Bennett, what was the genesis behind not only starting your own company, but interested in the topic of driving shareholder value and creating the framework around how to measure that? Well, that's, that's a great question. How did I become interested in, in corporate performance measurement and management? I think it goes to the fact that what gets measured gets managed. And if you change how you measure, you really change the decisions. You can change the incentives, the motivations. And done right, it can be an extraordinarily powerful way to drive value. And done wrong, even good people can make bad decisions. And and I became fascinated by how often the, the successes or failures of companies could be traced to how people were being paid, how they were being measured, And so I saw this as an incredible opportunity, not to be a consultant on any one specific issue, but how you could essentially hardwire an organization for success by 
defining the financial metrics, the financial mission, in clear ways that tied to enhancing value, and in clear ways that it would be easy to understand. I mean, you could, I, I suppose, come up with a very accurate measure, but it would be rocket science and would be un, not understandable. So it's, it's a complicated problem. How do you get it right while still keeping it relatively simple to use by ordinary people and that don't have you know deep knowledge of finance. I started out in the in a broader field of just corporate finance and valuation work and eventually became fascinated by the topic of performance measurement and management and related to that incentive compensation. Bennett, as a consultant going into these companies, you got to see a lot of different ways that companies measured performance and measured value. From your observations of sitting on the sidelines, what did you see that was inherently wrong with the way that companies were measuring performance? You start off with the fact that most companies tend to use or standard accounting metrics, metrics that are defined according to accounting conventions. And the sorry truth is, that although accounting metrics are computed according to authorized rules and regulations, these are man-made rules, these are man-made regulations, they're made up, and they pass through a highly politically charged process. Uh, regulators have a sway. CFOs who want to boost reported earnings have a sway. Rating agencies have a sway. So as you might imagine, by anything designed by a committee, what comes out of the accounting risk mill is so devoid of meaning that we have a whole industry showing how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And so I realized that we had a real problem here. You know, cash flow is the measure that managers will project and discount to measure value, but they cannot use that measure to measure their performance, set goals, and compensate people. So companies reached for proxies for cash flow. They'd look to measures like sales, sales growth, profit margin, earnings, earnings per share, ROI, return on capital, and come up with some recipe to cook together all these metrics in an attempt to proxy for the discounted cash flow. But every one of those metrics has blind spots and only tells half the truth or no truth. And so when you put together a bunch of those statistics, you don't end up with an actual score. It's like watching a basketball game and keeping track of block shots, rebounds, shooting percentage, and assists, and forgetting to ask, but who won the game? If you don't have one score, it's ambiguous. You're say, essentially, you're saying to your people, look, I want more sales, but of course, I don't really want more sales at all costs. You have to watch your costs, so I want to make sure you earn a decent profit margin on your sales, but of course... I don't want you to have too high a margin. You'll price yourself out of the marketplace. And, of course, growth does matter, too. I want you to earn a high return, but you can't earn too high. And all of a sudden, you have all of these if-then clauses uh, where you're trying to, you know, explain something that's actually very simple in an extremely complicated and ambiguous way. So that was the challenge that we, we took on. Could we come up with a way to measure performance that was equivalent to discounted cash flow, net present value, but would give one clear score, one key way, and that's what ultimately took us 
uh, to measuring uh, EVA uh, economic value added. Bennett, if conventional means of measuring company performance is inherently flawed, what do you do differently? We start with certain basic principles as to what should really determine the value of a company. You can, you certainly can subscribe to the view that you know, value is determined by cash flow, by, by the change in the cash account over the life of the business and adjusted for risk, uh, a measure you might call free cash flow. It's the cash flow earned on the income statement minus the cash flow invested on the balance sheet. And so what's left over is the cash that can be distributed to investors, or if it's negative, it's money that has to be raised. And if you take a present value, you, you discount a forecast for the cash flow over the life of the business to a present value, uh, axiomatically that is the value of a company. The problem is, while it is value, it, it doesn't give you a way to operationalize it. Here's, here's the funny thing. The more money that a company invests in high-return investments, ones that will generate a better return inside the company than the investors could earn outside the company, the lower its cash flow goes, at least for a while, but the higher its net present value and stock price goes. And so while you can discount cash flow to measure value, you cannot use cash flow as a way to measure performance, set goals, or compensate people. Can you provide us an example of what you're talking about? Very simple example. It's Amazon. Amazon over the past six years, uh, five, six years, has been investing so aggressively to build its franchise in so many different ways. I mean, it's really quite an amazing company starting out as an Internet bookseller to where they are now and where they're going. They've been investing so aggressively in so many ways that the company's investments have way outstripped their internally generated uh, cash sources. And they've had negative cash flow, negative net cash flow from their operations for the whole time. Uh, and yet the stock price has been zooming because the stock price is rising because the market sees that Amazon's management is generally investing the money in what look like, you know, very attractive investments that will generate returns over the over the cost of capital, over over what the alternative return would be for for investors. You're listening to BizTalk. Our guest is Bennett Stewart. We're talking about his book, Best Practice EVA, The Definitive Guide to Measuring and Maximizing Shareholder Value. If you just joined us, we left off with Bennett talking about Amazon.com and how they're driving EVA, and he's talking about the long-term value that they're creating. But, Bennett, there's another side to that story. You know, what happens if the investments that Amazon is making don't pay off? So on one hand, you can say, yeah, it appears they're investing the right way, therefore they're going to generate long-term value. On the other hand, we can look at companies that are generating good returns today and say, well, they're really performing at a high level. So what side of the equation should we be on when we're looking at measuring performance as an indicator how good the company is doing? Well, I would say this. You know, I think that this question of how you measure performance and set goals and judge value can be, as a basketball coach, who's attempting to, you know, motivate his team 
to win games. Right. And he sits them all down the bench and says, guys, the way you win a basketball game is you score a lot of baskets. Go out and score a lot of baskets. Now, you can imagine what happens that evening. They lose the game in an incredible display of disorganized behavior. Everyone takes a shot as soon as they get their hand on the ball. They're all gunners from even the middle of the court. Why? They want to score baskets. It apparently doesn't matter how many shots they take at the basket. They, they, they fail to recognize that there is a cost to taking a shot in denying another player that has an even better shot. Now, that would be like judging corporate management in terms of growth and sales and earnings. You know, your incentive is simply to take as many shots at the basket as you can by pumping tons of capital into your business to fuel growth and earnings. Or, or The worst measure of all is EBITDA. It's called earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. It's earnings before what? You don't have to pay interest. There's no cost to capital. You don't have to pay taxes. Your assets never depreciate and have to be replaced. What kind of dream world is EBITDA living in? But Bennett's shareholders, brokers, accountants, bankers all look at EBITDA. So what is wrong with EBITDA? Well, but bear in mind that running a business to maximize its value for the shareholders is not the same thing as running a business for the bankers. And you've put your finger on a big problem. Uh, Bankers want to be paid back in the worst of circumstances out of the company's cash flow. They quite frankly don't care about the shareholders. So, Jim, when your bankers come in and talk to you about EBITDA, bear in mind they're wearing their banker hats. They just want to make sure they can get paid back. But I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about how do we measure performance and maximize the value from the owner's point of view. So to accommodate the banker's preference for concreteness, you know, the accountants will do things like expensing the investments in advertising and promotion and research and development and building brands and hiring people and building an organization. Those kinds of intangible investments, which are really actually the key investments that create value, that create proprietary capabilities and assets, can you imagine that the accountants actually expense all the important assets, and they capitalize all the commodity assets, you know, the working capital and the PP&E. So one of the distortions that EVA repairs is we take the spending on advertising, brand building, launching new products, research, innovation, we carve that out from the operating costs and write it off over time with interest at a cost-to-capital rate on the unamortized balance. And that way, if, if you're being judged by your EVA performance, you are no longer tempted to cut back on those investments to make a short-term earnings goal, as does happen in many companies that are just measuring EBITDA or EPS or those metrics. And the irony is, is that business managers are many times making business decisions based on financial statements that have been prepared for the lenders. We need financial statements that are prepared for the shelters. That's what EVA does. It takes, it takes creditor accounting and makes it share owner and business manager accounting. Bennett, one of the reasons those items get cut is because they're not measurable. They're not tangible. So in one aspect, we can say it's because of EBITDA. But really, you know, if we're going to invest in advertising, do we really get the return we're looking for? Or we're investing in a new product, do we get the return we're looking for? 
So how do we ensure that those investments are going to pay? It's a funny thing. In most companies, success is getting your R&D and ad budget approved. Uh, in the, an EVA company, you will volunteer to take on the obligation that you will cover that cost over time with interest. And so a chief financial officer and CEO can afford to delegate a lot more decision autonomy to field people when they have delegated the accountability for actually generating a return on those investments. If you are focused on the accounting metrics, accounting earnings and EBITDA, that's a formula for standing still, whereas EVA is a formula for productive investment with accountability. So, Bennett, what should the purpose be of our financial metrics? All we can hope and expect to get from our financial metrics is that the financial metrics accurately measure what's really happening when it's happening, and they create an accountability, a pain and a, and a payoff for managers to get it right. They may not always get it right, but let's make sure they have the incentive to get it right. And that's where EVA has, has such an advantage over the conventional metrics, because what EVA does is it puts a weighted average cost of capital interest charge on the outstanding net balance sheet assets, which to continue my basketball analogy, you could call that your NBA, your net business assets times a weighted average uh, cost of capital interest factor is just another cost of doing business in the EVA calculation. So we're going to make the balance sheet into the equivalent of an operating cost just by cost of goods sold. So it's very easy for operating people to grasp this, and it puts a tangible value right on speeding asset turns and developing lean business models because the leaner you get, the less capital you need, and the higher your EVA goes. Bennett, you mentioned hardwiring performance into the company. If the metrics that are measured in EBITDA aren't the ones that drive value, which metrics should be put in? What is our EVA metrics? Well, this is a great question, and it's a question that we would get over the years. They say, well, Bennett, we understand the importance of earning a high ROI, a high return on investment, and EVA is just another way of saying you have to earn a high return on investment. But that is absolutely false. And I'll give you my basketball analogy again. So after we have this evening of shooting like crazy, the coach sits us down and says, guys, you made shots last night I have never seen before. This evening, we're going to judge you by your shooting percentage. I want you to take good shots at the basket. Got it? And that evening, they lose the game by a score of 100 to 10. Each player has taken one sure layup, stands in the corner and says, don't give me the ball. I can't do better than 100%, can I? Now, that would be like judging corporate management by return on capital, return on investment, ROI. Go out and earn higher ROIs, in which case now your incentive is just to take the short shot and then stand in the corner and stop growing. And you say, think that doesn't happen. Well, I can tell you the reason that EVA was originally invented, at least in my mind, was back in the early 1980s when we met with a Coca-Cola company. 
And at the time, they were a one-trick pony. They had one product, essentially. It was Coke. It was a great product. It was earning a 25% return on capital after taxes. Fantastic. And the CEO had just come in, was named Roberto Guizetta. He was a Yale-trained chemist. And he said, the reason I'm CEO is not because I know marketing. I know what's in our labs. We have Cherry Coke, Diet Coke, Caffeine-Free Coke. We've got these great products, but we can't get them out. And I said, why? Because they will earn us only about a 20% ROI, whereas you're correct, we're now earning 25%. I said, what, 20%? This is fantastic. That's way over what the investors could earn. It's a you know, positive net present value, value adding. What's the matter with 20%? He said, Bennett, the problem is if you add 20% from the new products to we already have 25%, then our overall ROI uh, falls uh, from 25 downward. And bonuses are based on maintaining high rates of return. I said, oh, but, sir, you don't want to maximize the percentage of beating your cost of capital. You want to maximize the dollar amount of beating your cost of capital. You don't want to maximize a ratio. You want to maximize wealth creation. You want to maximize what I call EVA, which is the profit minus a capital charge on your capital. And the beauty is, as long as you are earning over your cost of capital on the new things you're doing, your EVA will go up even if your ROI or your profit margins come down. So EVA is a profit performance measure that is pro-growth. It's pro-profitable growth over a market set standard for a minimum acceptable return. ROI gives management the incentive to just sit on fat wallets. It's, uh, it's, it's anti-profitable growth. If you focus on EVA, in that one measure, you get it all right. You want to intelligently cut costs to drive more profit. You want to manage balance sheet assets and speed asset turns and go lean to reduce your cost of capital. You want to invest carefully to be sure you can cover the cost of capital, but you want to grow as much as you can as long as you can cover all your costs, including your cost of capital. So when you ask managers to increase EVA, if it's negative, make it less negative. If it's positive, make it more positive. You are getting the laggards and the leaders, the poor performers and the great ones, to focus on improving their business value in all the right ways, and you can do that with one simple measure and one simple mission. Our guest is Bennett Stewart. We're talking about his book, Best Practice EVA, The Definitive Guide to Measuring and Maximizing Shareholder Value. Bennett, you're one of the thought leaders on EVA and have helped many companies implement it, but the business climate appears to be a little bit different today. So what have you done to keep EVA relevant to today's business environment? Well, let me say one thing. Everything I've described to you so far is essentially where EVA was a little over a decade ago. (laughs) EVA was just a money measure of the profit over the cost of capital after setting aside a priority return. It was a money measure. It wasn't a ratio, and it wasn't a ratio-based analysis framework. And so even companies that were really devoted to EVA said, we need to start using other ratios like ROI and profit margin. And uh, we don't see how EVA necessarily ties to 
working capital days and basic blocking and tackling metrics. And CFOs found it hard to use EVA to compare performance across their business lines or set targets with it. But board compensation committees weren't happy that there was no way to grade the targets for EVA for bonus purposes. There was no software to really do it right. There was no database to you know provide it as a reference. And because of all this, investors found it very hard to use it. And while they were initially quite interested, it didn't really take hold. So I said, we have got to turn EVA into a ratio. We should, we should develop a global database. We should develop software that can make it easy to automate. And we should make sure we have an equity research product that big buy-side institutional investors can use to get this into the bloodstream of how you know, they're really talking. And so I made a checklist. And in fact, it was such a big checklist that I decided it would be a good idea to leave Stern Stewart and set up a separate company to do this in March 2006 called EVA Dimensions, and that's what we've done. We have converted EVA now into a really nifty EVA ratio construct. We've developed software, we've developed the data, and we have a thriving equity research practice, and the success has been so stunning in a way that that's why I decided to sit down and write this new book called Best Practice EVA. So it, it is the ratio-infused, turbocharged version of EVA that now is winning a lot of converts, where before there was resistance, before there was a feeling that while EVA was right, it wasn't as well connected to basic uh, performance levers and drivers that were really understandable and practical to operating teams. But now we have it. So since you're now able to look at ratios, Bennett, what is the most important ratio we should be looking at? The most important ratio in all of business, finance, investing, or economics is the ratio we call EVA momentum. It's a way to measure the growth rate in the EVA profit over some period of time. And we define it as measuring the change in EVA profit from, a, from point to point. Now, it could be quarter to quarter. It could be year over year. It could be a five-year history. Or we could measure the change in EVA over a five-year forward plan forecast. But the point is, the bigger the change, the better. Because the more EVA is going up, the more the company is really building up its real economic profit and enhancing its net present value. But to make it a ratio, we divide it by the sales in the prior period, in the base period, which is fixed. So the bigger the change in EVA, the bigger the EV momentum ratio is. So it's the only ratio metric that a CFO or CEO could use to very accurately and completely quantify the performance progress over a period of time for any business. What we're suggesting is that companies should use EVA momentum as their main ratio goal and use that in replacement for growing sales, growing earnings, ROI, get rid of that. Uh, EVA momentum subsumes that. Bennett, can you give us some examples of how this is being used today or companies that are using it? I'll give you a simple example. Suppose that you have a company that has sales of $100 in 2011, and that from 2011 to 2012, their EVA profit increases from, say, 10 to 11. Or let's say it goes up from minus 6 to minus 5. It doesn't actually matter. It's delta that matters. It's the improvement that matters. If it goes up 1 on 100, that's 1% EVA momentum. So you can see it's a, 
It's a growth rate statistic. It's the sales size adjusted rate of increase in real economic profit. And it is a statistic, by the way. We've calculated this. We have a database that we update daily. We track 9,000 companies all over the world with a 20-year history by year, by quarter. It's a, a tremendous exercise. We have a whole battery of ser- servers that line up, open their mouths wide, and all this financial data comes in. It's, it's the basic income statement balance sheet data comes in, and then a meat grinder is turned, and out comes the, the EVA uh, metrics uh, that then feed into our software and right into our corporate uh, clients that use it to benchmark with peers and such. But I can tell you this, Jim, over the past 20 years, the average EVA momentum growth rate for the median firm among the Russell 3000 public companies, I mean, the firm that's swimming in the middle of the pack, the EVA momentum growth rate has been 0.2%. That's it. Wow. The evidence is showing that markets are very EVA competitive. Now, I should mention to you, when we calculate EVA, there are no mulligans. If you have an impairment charge where you write off an asset for accounting purposes, that's a bookkeeping entry. We put it right back in the books. If you have a restructuring charge, we take that out of your earnings and we put it on the balance sheet as an investment. So you have an incentive to fail fast and fail well. Fail as soon as you want to because there's no charge standing in your way, but fail well. Don't, you know... Spend just the money you need to absolutely streamline the business and extricate from the situation that you're in. And then we take R&D and ad spending and write it off over time so the unamortized amount of that is in the capital of the companies subject to a capital charge. So this is an honest-to-goodness calculation of the real economic profit that's being earned when you consider that part of the cost of your winners is you had to invest in experiments and losers along the way. It's full-cost accounting. So I'm not surprised to see that the median firm in the marketplace is just eking out a slight rise in its economic profit over time. And boards should know that. I mean, boards of directors oftentimes have these completely unrealistic expectations, how much performance a company can really deliver. And when you realize that the market has established a standard that the main line is just breaking even. Anything that's actually positive is upper 50th percentile. In fact, the 75th percentile we have seen is about 1.2% EV momentum per year on average over moving five-year windows, and the 90th percentile is around 3 to 4% a year. Bennett, in addition to the financial performance of our company, what else could we use EVA for? It's also a great tool to use for compensation. In fact, my favorite bonus plan is a bonus plan that says your bonus is a base bonus plus a percent of your EVA momentum, plus a percent of making EVA go up. So if your EVA momentum is going sideways, as it is for many firms, you earn a base bonus. If your EVA is going up and you have positive EVA momentum, then you get a multiple premium on top of your base bonus. That's the good news. The bad news is that once you've increased EVA to create momentum and generate a bonus premium, the next year, last year's EVA is now the standard of excellence going forward to the next year. So the only way you could continue to earn an outstanding bonus would be to continue 
to increase EVA and generate momentum, and tying incentives to increasing EVA is a proven and potent way to improve corporate performance, and it really is the right answer to the say on pay question, to how do we align with ISS and TSR, and not to do it for that reason, but to do it for the reason that it actually works. It's a very simple, powerful way to create a culture of ownership that will perpetuate strategic value you know, with EVA as the guide. In addition to Bennett Stewart being on our program talking about how to hardwire performance into your company, you can find other experts that have shared their wisdom with us here on BizTalk. They're available as podcasts on our website and cover business topics such as recruiting, leadership, marketing, performance management, sales, sales management, and personal development. You can download these podcasts from our website at biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. Bennett, there's been a lot of talk about TSR, you know, total shareholder return. And what can you share with our audience about how that should be measured? Jim, we just finished an article called What Determines TSR? What Determines Total Shareholder Return? We sat down and we were able to derive mathematically that if you define total shareholder return as the dividend yield on the stock and the capital gain on the stock, that's what it is. It turns out mathematically the real underlying driver of TSR is earning and increasing EVA. Now, TSR is paid in the currency of cash, but that's just the delivery voice. The real determinants of how large any company's TSR is is earning and increasing EVA, and we proved it mathematically, and then we said, let's look at the S&P 500 companies over the past five years, and we ran the numbers, and guess what? Uh, EVA momentum is by far the statistically best metric to account for the creation of owner wealth and the generation of TSR. So I think this is really fantastic news. It shows that underlying TSR, there is an economic logic. It's not just a casino. Bennett, you're with the CEO of a company today. The one piece of advice you're giving them is what? Ask yourself, are we really measuring our performance and making decisions and setting our plans in ways that we're highly confident we are clearly aligned with driving strategic value in a way that is very easy to understand and administer? Do we have one clear overarching metric that brings all the pluses and minuses together into one net score? Or are we using a whole bunch of metrics on a flat landscape and kind of making our life miserable and and confusing? Bennett, if somebody was listening to BizTalk and they said to themselves, I want to hardwire performance into my company, I want to start EVA, how do I do that? Thank you, uh, Jim, for asking that question. I would say, look, you know, read the books. It's out there, available on Amazon and so forth. It's called Best Practice EVA. And it's chock full of interesting cases, and everything we talked about today is covered in there. Also, there's a lot of information on our website about EVA and best practice EVA. If you go to just, you know, www.evadimensions.com, you'll see a ton of stuff there that you can download, various and sundry articles and, and this and that. 
but when companies say, all right, we want to do this, what does that really mean? Well, we've developed a software tool, actually a family of software tools, that make it incredibly simple to take your conventional P&L and balance sheets and deposit them on a pre-formatted Excel spreadsheet. You can take past numbers, you can take line of business numbers, you can take forward plans, you can take acquisitions, you can take capital projects. Anything you can get into Excel, you can get into the software and you push a few buttons and presto, out of the oven comes best practice EVA. The whole framework that you would see in the book that companies are really using these days is available with just pushing a few buttons and that software is linked to this global 9,000 company database, so you can go in and pick and choose a custom public company peer group, and the software will do you the favor of adding them together to give you the profile and the statistical reference points, so you can really grade your EVA momentum performance and all the underlying drivers that are going into it. So ultimately, what you can do is bring the software in-house, you can access the database, and you can be trained and supported so that it's very easy to take this for a test drive. It's very easy to go on the best practice EVA program. Bennett, before we wrap it up, anything else you want to share with our audience? I would say one last thing. I, I think, frankly, any company that's not taking a look at the new best practice version of EVA really is overlooking what could be a very important source of competitive advantage and clarity and accountability and incentive. And there's a growing body of investors. We have a team of of 10 people sitting in New York that are fanning out, and they're meeting on a daily to weekly basis with some several hundred portfolio managers and equity analysts at many of the very largest active U.S. fund managers who are really lapping up the insights that this framework provides to them. And so any CEO who decides to go on this bandwagon, if you are a public company and care about it, you will find that there is a market out there now that is quite attuned to the value of this kind of strategy. And you can get you know, a, a recognition value from it that can give you a higher stock price and make it a lot easier to expand the business and acquire companies that, that it might not otherwise. Bennett, thanks for being on the program. My pleasure, Jim. This or other BizTalk podcasts may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com, where you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at BizTalk1040 and like us on Facebook. If you want to learn the strategies finding and getting performance out of A-player salespeople, contact Performance Group by calling 800-950-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net. This has been your host, Jim Lovato.